Welcome to Biohacking with Brittany. I am so excited to have you joining. This is a place where I talk about everything natural health and optimal health, including detoxing and plant medicine and ancestral eating and all sorts of things like that. And I yeah, explore different topics every week. I interview different guests and sometimes I do solo episodes and there are a lot of solo episodes that I still want to do that are definitely coming down the pipeline this year. Today on the podcast, we dive into more of the physical health aspect in terms of the body and muscles and the fascia and what we can do really to support this. So we I had a great chat with Douglas and we really go through why we're so stiff and why we're so sore all of the time and how stress plays into that as well and what we can really do about it. And I actually had after this podcast I booked a massage and I actually had it yesterday and it was a like posture massage with a registered massage therapist. And he really worked on my neck and my shoulders and my biceps and my ribs actually, because the right side of my body, my upper body is so tight and sore. And so it got to a point where I finally booked a massage. And it's so funny with these things, like even when you're working in the health field, like what you, well, I find for myself, like I don't really go to see practitioners until it gets to a point where I'm like, okay, this is really bad. I need to go. And of course, like I stretch and I foam roll and I do like preventative things for sure. It was a very interesting massage. And basically we figured out that because I work online and work on my computer a lot, when I work at my desk, I use a mouse with my right hand. So my elbow and arm is like always extended out away from my body. And over time, my ribs and my bicep have like overcompensated for that and created a lot of tightness, which also creates tightness in my shoulders because it like pulls my shoulder down. So it's this whole thing. So it's been really helpful. So now... I will not be using my mouse anymore. I mean, I do have a left-hand mouse and I've trained myself to use that as well, but I am going to see if it's possible to use like a trackpad on my computer, like on my separate screen that I have. And just because I even said to him yesterday before we figured it out, like I said, like when I work from my laptop on the couch, the pain isn't nearly as bad as when I work at my desk. And that's because obviously when you work at your laptop, you, yeah, it's not eye level, but your elbows are next to you. They're at the right height and you are working on a trackpad right in front of you. So now it's kind of like, how do I take that type of thing and then apply it to my desk so I can reduce the pain because it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get tighter. So that's what I'm working on. Plus daily stretching. I like stretch, I would say like every other day right now, but now I'm trying to do it every day. Last night, I actually wrote out 10 daily stretches that I want to be doing. Full body stretches like neck, shoulders, chest, triceps, biceps, hamstrings, quads, hips, a lot of hip flexors, abs, 
glutes. And then the last stretch is a inversion because inversion is really good for blood flow, really good for the body. And I hold that one for longer. So if you're curious about like what 10 daily stretches you should be doing, message me on Instagram. I'll take a photo and I'll send you what I'm doing right now. And my goal is to do it morning and night. And I just did it this morning. It's quite early right now. It's like 4.30 in the morning, which is probably why my voice is like croaky. But yeah, I did them this morning. And it was interesting because my body is way tighter at the end of the day than it is in the morning, which I think it's opposite for some people. Like some people wake up very stiff, but for me, it's definitely not. And that just goes to show how whatever I'm doing during the day, aka working online is really, really tightening up my body. So this is something that I'm very concerned about and keeping in front of mind. And that's why it's so helpful having podcast episodes like this, because we really dive into different aspects different ways to heal, different modalities that can really support the body and prevent these types of things from happening and prevent it from getting worse. So if you're listening to this right now and you are sitting and you are sitting in your car, at your desk, on your couch, wherever you are, my question to you is, do you feel tight? How flexible do you feel? Are you stretching daily? And is this a priority for you? Because it should be no matter what age you are. So that's my spiel for this morning. (laughs) And if you actually have any stretching recommendations, let me know because I, yeah, I do stretch definitely when I work out, but like I said, I'm bringing it, it in twice daily now. And so I'm open to different types of stretches for sure. A quick shout out to the sponsors of this week, Inside Tracker, obviously one of my favorites. This is a company that tests 43 different biomarkers at your house through a blood test, or you can go to a lab to do it as well, depending on where you live. And they do minerals and vitamins and hormones, and it's pretty comprehensive. So I do this every quarter, and it's really helpful to kind of just gauge where your body is at and see if you need to be supplementing with anything or maybe you're over supplementing with things. And also like the hormones is very, very helpful. Like cortisol, testosterone, some thyroid stuff. Like it's just really helpful to see how you're doing. So if you're curious and you want data and you don't want to just like guess on what you should be eating on your supplements, definitely get tested through Inside Tracker and use my discount code BiohackingBrittany in all capitals. And of course, Sensate as well. I love Sensate. This is a device that you place on your chest and it helps to tone the vagus nerve. What does that mean? Basically, the vagus nerve helps take us out of fight and flight and into rest and digest. So it really calms us down, makes us feel grounded, and it really does work. Like it really does work. And people who have a sensate and who've tried it can attest to that. So you basically place it right on your chest. It vibrates. You lie down. You can also listen to these soundscapes that come with the app. And it's very calming. I'm kind of obsessed with it. So if you're kind of needing some sort of healthy habit to get into that reduces your stress. That's not just 
meditation or not just taking a hot bath or anything like that, this is what I would suggest. Definitely check it out. Again, discount code is biohacking Brittany in all capitals and let me know how it goes and stay tuned for another episode next week. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of biohacking with Brittany. I am so excited that you are listening as always. I love having guests on who bring new perspectives and new knowledge. And especially when we talk about things that I haven't talked about yet. And today is another one of those episodes where we are diving into something that I have some experience with myself, but I don't think that I've really talked about at length compared to some of the other topics. So today we have Douglas Bertram on the podcast. He is a wellness entrepreneur, an endurance athlete, a health practitioner specializing in Chinese medicine and manual therapy. So Douglas, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Amazing. So how did you get started on your journey to Chinese medicine and manual therapy? So the manual therapy came first for me. I actually started off really young. I've been practicing for 27 years now, and most people don't believe me when I say that, but I had a track coach who was really insightful, and he had the idea of, why don't I go to massage school out of high school before going to college, and that way I would have a skilled trade where I could earn a decent wage while pursuing higher education, as well as develop clinical work experience in different professions to know what I wanted to study for my, my graduate studies and kind of terminal study. I'd also had a really, I was a soccer player growing up, I was a goalkeeper, and I had a really bad wrist fracture. And my experience with the surgeon wasn't great, but my experience with the therapist that I worked with, the occupational therapist that helped me rehab and get back to sport was amazing. And so I kind of from a young age knew I was going to do something in physical medicine because of how much it impacted my life. As I as I worked in different settings, chiropractics and physical therapy and pain management and everything else, I was really intrigued by systems theory. And I went to a Buddhist college in Boulder, Colorado called Naropa University. And I just loved kind of Eastern philosophy and Eastern thought. And when it came time for graduate studies, I was, I guess, more drawn towards the systems theory aspect of Chinese medicine than any one modality. Yeah, that's really cool. I find that's kind of what happens with a lot of people is like, they go through their own healing journey and then they kind of fall in love with the modality that worked for them. And then they kind of turn it into a career and more than just like a passion. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was part of it for me too. In college, I was an absolute idiot and I used to throw myself off cliffs on my skis and you crash on my mountain bike and was rock climbing a lot and kayaking and all that stuff. So for me, what worked best to put me back together after I would crash was a combination of getting the acupuncture and then followed by, you know, manual therapy, manipulations, things like that. So that's a lot of what I ended up pursuing. Yeah, that makes sense. So for those listening who haven't done acupuncture, which I'm not sure how many people have done it at this point, like it's definitely more popular than it was. But how do you describe it to people and how do you explain how it works? Yeah, so it has nothing to do with the poke of the needle. It has to do with the twist of the needle. And when you put a needle in, I like to have people think of putting a fork in a plate of spaghetti. So when you twist the fork in the spaghetti, the noodles 
wrap around the shaft of the fork. And similarly, when you place a needle in the connective tissue and you twist it, you're actually winding the collagen fibers of the fascia system around the shaft of the needle. And suspended in that collagen, that tissue matrix, are tons of little connective tissue cells called fibroblasts. And they like to be left alone. And when you put a, a strain on those cells, they react chemically. The fancy term is called mechanotransduction, which is taking a mechanical stimulus and getting a chemical response in the tissue. And ultimately, what it does is it lubricates the tissue and allows the tissue to glide better past its neighboring tissues. So it's it's quite mechanical. There's a lot of language in Chinese medicine and in the field of acupuncture that talks about qi flow and balancing energy and things like that. But but for the Western mind, I really like to replace that terminology with it restores communication in the body. And instead of thinking about energetic pathways, I think about pathways of communication that are restored throughout the body. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I've definitely heard about the chi, the flow, and I've done acupuncture myself, but it's been a long time since I've done it. So could you just take a needle out of your cupboard and poke yourself and be doing it or like... You could. I don't know that I'd recommend it or yeah. that it would have the same effect. I mean, really the point selection to be effective is really about finding pretty specific points, but that fall on what are called the cleft of the intramuscular septa. The effective points are points that, that access a membrane between functional muscles. And you don't have to go real deep or anything, but if you don't hit that membrane and you don't get the grasp of the needle, you're not going to have that same effect of getting that chemical release from the stimulation. So it does, you know, even people that have been doing it for a while, not all people have the best technique and don't necessarily get the the results. But but somebody that that is, you know, understands their target tissue and, and has good needle technique, you know, should be able to affect change pretty consistently. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Like I know there's very specific places that you can place the needles in order to support different health problems and health concerns. So if someone was to see an acupuncturist for the first time, like what type of benefits could they expect to feel or see? Yeah. Well, again, the term acupuncturist is super general, right? So um, just like in allopathic medicine, you have acupuncturists or doctors of Chinese medicine who focus on orthopedics like myself. You have people that focus solely on, you know, mitigating negative symptoms from, from going through chemo and radiation therapy. You have acupuncturists and doctors of Chinese medicine that work solely on fertility, some that work on allergies and immunity. So it's really across the board. There's a lot of specialties and there's a lot of reasons why somebody would use the tool of an acupuncture needle to affect change in the body. It is very effective at releasing restrictions found in the connective tissue or the fascia. And the deeper somebody understands those mechanisms, the more effective I believe they can be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. A while ago, like this is a while ago, when I was in university, I was actually working for a naturopath and she had me collect research on acupuncture and its effect on fertility for women. And it was really interesting reading the research back then and trying to understand like, is it the acupuncture that's actually helping with fertility or is it the stress reduction that comes from 
women going and having this time to themselves and like being able to kind of take care of themselves. And at that time, the research did say like, it has a lot to do with the stress reduction that actually comes from acupuncture. So where does it stand now in terms of like fertility for women? I have a ton of female listeners. So regulating the menstrual cycle or helping women ovulate, like, do you know kind of where it's at now? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so there's a number of factors that contribute to infertility. I mean, you can have lack of blood flow or stagnation that that makes it difficult for proper ovulation, implantation, thickening of the uterine lining, things that are somewhat related to systemic inflammation in the body. You can also have deviation to the pelvis that causes a tipped uterus that can affect implantation or carrying the term. There's a number of things that can contribute. The thing that you touched on there in terms of stress reduction, there's a very basic function in the body that's happening at all times, and that is regulating of our autonomic nervous system. And our autonomic nervous system is what controls our stress response. And if we are in a sympathetic state, we are in a survival mode. And so we are not thinking about reproduction at that point. We're not thinking about, you know, even digestion at that point. We're thinking about survival. And the more that we get into a parasympathetic state and are able to distribute blood more evenly throughout the body and the body, the stress hormones are coming down because we feel safe, that puts us into a much more productive place for things like reproduction, digestion, healing tissue, you know, repairing injury. So a lot of people live, unfortunately, in a pretty heightened stress response and certainly relaxing the connective tissue, taking time for oneself, you know, being in a calming space with a nurturing provider, all of those things have benefits more than just where you put the needles. But but if you put that individual just in a relaxing environment and didn't do the acupuncture, it's absolute that you wouldn't see the same benefit. Yeah, that that's so interesting because it's almost talking about the placebo effect and how much the mind impacts it as well. But then obviously, you know, like you explained earlier, the needles and acupuncture do have benefits as well. So it's, it's kind of like you just need all of it in one place. And that's why women find success with it is for like, speaking of females is fertility, the main reason, or maybe even just stress management, the main reason a female would come in and say, like, I'm interested in acupuncture, or is there other things as well? No, absolutely. I mean, in our practice, we treat a lot of knee pain, back pain, shoulder pain, hip pain. And we definitely have patients who maybe were with our practice prior to wanting to get pregnant, but then maybe increase their frequency as they go down that road. And, but, but no, I mean, we treat menopausal women with helping with the symptoms of menopause. We treat, you know, all sorts of conditions, you know, digestive issues, all sorts of things. So, and a lot of the, Again, the benefits of acupuncture or again, and, and let me let me take a pause here and just give some terminology because acupuncture is simply the practice of placing a solid fill form needle into the body, puncturing the body in a specific point. The practice of acupuncture is not synonymous with the practice of Chinese medicine. And a lot of people have heard of a term dry needling and dry needling and acupuncture are basically the same thing. And so dry needling just means that you're not injecting any substance, that you're using a dry needle to place into the body for some 
effect. And so acupuncture or dry needling is just a tool. Why you use that tool can vary tremendously. There are entire systems of acupuncture that come from France. There's Korean hand acupuncture. There's auricular acupuncture. There's Japanese acupuncture. There's Chinese acupuncture. I mean, there's all sorts of different systems and theories as to why you would put a needle in somebody's body. The practice of Chinese medicine is about balancing the systems, right? Really looking at the kind of elements and the different organs and making sure that those organ systems are functioning at optimum. But just because somebody is doing acupuncture doesn't mean that they're also practicing Chinese medicine. So I, I like to make that differentiation because, you know, in the, in, in the, at least in the states here, within scope of practice of a lot of physical therapists in different states, chiropractors in some states, even athletic trainers in some states are allowed to use the tool of the needle. And, but it doesn't mean that they're practicing Chinese medicine. Yeah, I love that. I love that distinction because, you know, it, it, you, it's very easy to get confused with these types of things, right? And it's very easy to just like make assumptions that one equals the other. And that's not necessarily the case. No, no um, doubt about it. Yeah. And I actually looked at going to, it was a acupuncturist, I think. Yes. A few months ago for my own menstrual cycle, because I was just curious to see kind of like what we've talked about, like would this help me ovulate? Would it help me regulate my cycle more? Because I very much believe in like holistic health and kind of having different practitioners to support different things that I need. So for me or for other women coming in to see you or similar people, is it a one-off situation? Is it like very dependent on how serious the health problem is? Or kind of like, what is your scope with working with patients? It varies greatly. I mean, I always use the example of you'd never go to a personal trainer and expect to go once and get results, right? It, it's, right. About, <laughs> it's about it's about healthy habits and, and outweighing the bad habits, right? So it's repatterning lifestyle as much as it is receiving the benefit of acupuncture or manual therapy. And certainly there are patients that have come in and, you know, for various reasons and you identify, oh man, this is your problem. And you are able to educate that patient about making some changes either to diet or lifestyle, or, or maybe even, you know, you just have an emotional breakthrough, right? That you realize that, man, I'm really stressed out about this problem. And once I realized that, then I got a different frame of mind that that was the breakthrough. So sure, sometimes you can accomplish a lot in one visit. Sometimes, you know, there's really stubborn cases especially when it comes with deficiencies, whether if somebody's like blood deficient or somebody doesn't have all of the vital nutrients and resources that are going to lead to balanced menstrual cycle or to, you know, even like you were saying with fertility and a successful pregnancy, supplementation of the body takes a lot longer right? Accumulations in the body oftentimes are a lot easier to disperse and break up and purge or redirect, right? But if there's something that's missing from the body, low iron, low ferritin, you know, things like that, I mean, supplementing the body is oftentimes a, a much lengthier process. How can you tell if your healthy and not so healthy decisions are impacting your health on a cellular level or even impacting your biological age? Feeling better is one thing and having symptoms get better is one thing, but there's something completely different about having the data and the numbers behind it. This can be very helpful for both your short-term and your long-term goals. 
We need to be testing ourselves regularly so we know where we stand, whether it's testing our vitamin levels, cholesterol, blood sugar, whatever it is, the proof is in the data. It can be such a pain to get tested through our doctors and our clinics. And when we do these tests, often they don't even give us all the biomarkers that we ask for. That's why I love at-home tests. I find it super interesting to get my biological age test specifically because it indicates how all of my decisions are impacting me. Your biological age is a representation of your health conditions and a predictor of how soon you can exhibit chronic conditions of late life. This is obviously compared to our chronological age, which is just the amount of time that has passed since we were born. When I first got tested last year, my results said I was 19.7 years old. And the second time I was tested, it said I was 18 years old and I was 27 at the time. I recently got my biological age tested again through Inside Tracker's inner age test. And this time it said I was 22 years old and I'm now 28. My age actually went up. (laughs) And this is likely because my HbA1c levels were higher after spending 10 days in Costa Rica recently, where I had a ton of cocktails and fruit and carbs, and also just eating more carbs and processed food in the last few months. The great thing about Inside Tracker's Inner Age Test is that it actually shows you which specific biomarkers are making you older or making you younger. And it identified that my HbA1c needs to come down because it's actually making me older on a cellular level, which is so helpful to know and know what I need to be doing next. Knowing your age can help you make these changes and help you just really make smarter decisions and be more informed moving forward. I always get tested through Inside Tracker, and you can as well, and use my discount code at checkout, which is BiohackingBrittany in all capitals. It's linked on my website underneath my shop, and it'll be on my show notes as well. That's really interesting. I like. I don't know if I've ever like until now thought about acupuncture in the terms of it almost is like a form of detoxing or like, I know detoxing is one of those words that's kind of like iffy sometimes with people, but it kind of is if you kind of go with how you just described it and how it can actually support the body to getting to a healthier state. And we're not necessarily adding anything to the body. Yeah. And again, so the at a very core level, your body is trying to answer one very simple question. And that question is, am I safe? And the we've talked about the connective tissue a little bit. And I, I named, you know, I used the word fascia. And the fascia system is really interesting because there's two different ways to talk about fascia. One is as a tissue, which we refer to fascia tissue, like the plantar fascia, you know, plantar fascia on the bottoms of the feet or the thoracolumbar fascia or the IT band. These are individual tissues. But when you put all of the fascia in the body together, it forms what we refer to as the fascial system. And the fascial system is being looked at as an organ, the largest organ in the body, and it is an organ of communication. And the fascia is you know, just beneath the skin, it's around every muscle, it's around every muscle fiber, it's, you know, forms the tendons that that anchor into the bone, it covers the periosteum of the bone, it surrounds the organs, it surrounds our nerves, it surrounds our blood vessels. So this system is a a very intelligent system, and it's a bi-directional system of communication. 
And when we answer the question, no, are we safe? Again, that sympathetic nervous system kicks in and it has a negative effect on our fascia. Our fascia stiffens to prepare for fight or flight. And similarly, if we have restrictions in our fascia due to poor posture, due to, you know, repetitive use injury, um, you know, due to just holding ourselves tightly because of stress or whatever, that is also going to signal back to the nervous system that we're not safe. And as long as you're answering that question, no, I'm not safe, your nervous system is going to preserve your vitals for survival and not for thriving and giving nutrients for less essential activities other than survival. So it's very important. And when we relax the connective tissue through acupuncture or through massage or through foam rolling and break that tissue up and improve our posture and we improve our alignment through yoga or through meditation or through qigong or tai chi or whatever it might be that you you use as your as your practice what you're doing is you're helping answer the question am i safe with a yes and as we start to kind of get into our bodies and inhabit our bodies and we take inventory of our bodies and we start to answer that question yes all systems start to function at optimum and it's really basic you know i mean it's your computers are zeros and ones you know the body is yes and no's at, at the core core fundamental yeah i really like that i think it's easy to just assume that we are safe right like from a very basic understanding of the word safe as in like there's no tiger chasing after us right But when we actually look at how we function day to day from like work to school to kids to whatever, being stuck in the traffic, like all of those are actually stressors that accumulate over time and make us not feel safe on a cellular level, which is what you're talking about. Absolutely. Well, we also we also have you know, stress is not a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. Stress is a beautiful thing. Stress is what makes us stronger. Stress is what strengthens our immune system. Stress is what allows us to perform at a high level in work and life and sport. We, We need stress. Stress is essential. But when we stay in a high stress response, after the stressor is passed, when we're in a high demand situation, right? And the high stress response is totally appropriate. It's when we get out of the high high demand situation and we stay in a high stress state. That's when it starts to become detrimental to our health. And that's something that most people, if they're honest with themselves, are, are guilty of, right? Is we, after the workday, we come home and, oh, you know, we're still wound up and it takes a while to vent and to get over it. But even though we're no longer in that high demand situation, we don't downregulate, we don't downshift. Exactly. And... It's very easy at that point to come home and turn Netflix on and just zone out, right? But in actuality, we're not dealing with the daily stresses that we're facing. And obviously, there's a time and place for, I guess, like zoning out and kind of like giving yourself a break from thinking about everything. But at the same time, doing things like daily stretching, yoga, meditation, and actually being a bit more proactive about our stress, I think is much more effective in the long run. And even though we might be zoning out, but even a lot of the programming that most people watch is stressful. You know, it triggers, it re-triggers them. It's like we're not just watching, you know, National Geographic and like 
looking at waterfalls and like the beauty of nature. It's like we're watching crime shows and we're watching, you know, things that are totally stressful, you know? So, so yeah, we are, we oftentimes are just completely overstimulated and kind of stuck in that stress response, which it does have a long-term negative effect on our overall health and well-being. And the more that we can learn to downregulate and the more that we use tools and use people that, that are skilled in those strategies, whether it's an acupuncturist, a massage therapist, a manual therapist, a yoga instructor, somebody that's able to help us get that downshift and get into a parasympathetic state, that is going to make a huge difference. Yeah, exactly. I, it's funny that you actually say that about what we're watching because I think it was last night, my partner is watching Breaking Bad with me. I've never seen it before, but he has. And there was this one episode right now that we're on and it was just so aggressive. I don't know if you've ever seen that show, but it's, it was so aggressive. And I like, I just turned it off. I was like, I was like getting more stressed as the minutes were going by because there was no like conflict resolution happening. And I was like, no, uh, -uh. I like turn this off right now. So I, I had to turn it off because I just felt more and more irritated. So it really takes a lot of awareness for that though. And like, I don't do that all the time. And it's obviously something that I need to do. But so in terms of, I know we're talking about stress. We're also kind of talking about the fascia or fascia. I guess my first question would be, how do you know if your fascia needs support? Like how do you, what would be the signs that you see or that you would say that are like the basic things that you're like, okay, you need to work on this. Yeah. Healthy fascia possesses a quality that we call visoelasticity and elasticity of fascia. It should easily stretch and return back to its original shape. And when it doesn't easily stretch, when people start feeling tight or when they, you know, tuck their chin down to their chest, they feel pulling into their back that's uncomfortable. Or if they palpate around on the tops of their shoulders and they're feeling what you would label as a knot or a restriction between tissue, that says that you're starting to develop accumulation of fascial adhesions. And those adhesions trigger, you know, nervous activity and those adhesions reduce blood flow. They impede lymphatic drainage. You know, they're constantly giving us stimulus that's saying that we have a problem here. That's the more aware you are of that and the more that you have a practice that allows you to bump into that, whether it's foam rolling on the living room floor while you're watching Breaking Bad, whether it's doing a little bit of deep breathing and some light stretching so that you can bump into where you're holding tension. But that's what starts to happen. And if maintained and if addressed on the regular, it's like taking the trash out, you can not accumulate and you can function just fine. But if you ignore it, it won't just go away. It'll eventually catch up and it'll catch up through injury, through illness, or through you know pain syndromes that are going to force you to pay attention. Do you ever feel frazzled, not grounded, stressed, and like you have way too much on your plate? Of course, you know you should be taking time for self-care, but doesn't mean you actually are, and it kind of just feels like another thing on your to-do list. I have definitely been there. It's tough to kind of balance everything these days, especially for those of us working from home with extra side hustles and or kids. Stress reduction feels like a nice idea, but never something easily achievable in the moments when we need it the most. I believe in solutions that use science to help us be healthier on a daily basis, but without crazy technology or tools that aren't accessible or affordable for everybody. I use Sensate 
which is something that I've been using for a long time now. And I spoke about a lot last year, which is a groundbreaking innovation in wellness technology that uses the natural power of sonic resonance to calm your body's nervous system, providing immediate, immediate, let me tell you, relief and long-term benefits from regular, regular use. It calms your nerves and helps you feel better in as few as 10 minutes per day. It improves stress resilience to help you cope with whatever life throws at you. And it increases heart rate variability, a known biomarker of health and longevity. This is so important because for many of us, our body's built-in stress management system is simply just an overdrive. Sensate's novel patented technology was designed to send infrasonic waves through the chest to reach the vagus nerve that sits deep in the core of our nervous system. By speaking to our body's command center, we can control how we respond to all the positive and negative things that we experience each day, which is just so cool and such an easy, easy biohack to bring in every day. You can use my discount code, which is biohacking Brittany in all capitals. Um, I will put the link in the show notes and it's on my shop page at biohackingbrittany.com and you get $25 off today. If you have any questions about it or when you get it, please message me. I'd love to chat as this is one of my favorite biohacking tools to use on a regular basis. Yeah, that's really interesting. I definitely get shoulder pain and it's something that I'm constantly trying to fix. I am constantly trying to figure out how to sit properly at my desk. I have a standing desk and so it can move a bunch. And also like I'm on my phone all the time. And then my shoulders are up by my ears when I'm on my phone. And like, it's just one of those things. And I know so many people hold tension in their shoulders. So like right now what I'm doing is I have a massage gun. So I'm trying to use that on them. And then I've also started practicing Pilates, which is really good for just like stretching out the body. Like I also do yoga, but I'm into Pilates right now. But I don't know if you have any other recommendations for people who hold a lot in their shoulders. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways in, right? But there's my wife does Pilates. We offer it at the clinic here. It's a great, it's a great tool. But here's the deal is posture matters. Okay. And if you don't have neutral posture, I don't care what you do, it's going to be more effort than is healthy for the body. So there's two biohacks since, you know, this is kind of your topic is biohacking. There's two biohacks that are unbelievably simple and will be have life changing effects. One is, is working on your posture through a simple exercise called the traction position. And traction is basically, for those yogis out there, it's like a modified shavasana, but your knees are bent instead of your legs being flat. And the reason that you bend the knees is because it allows for getting a flatter lumbar spine. And so when you lay flat on your back, usually it should be on the floor, on a yoga mat, on the carpeted floor. The bed's too soft, couch is too soft. So you lay flat on your back, you reduce the curve of your low back by lifting up your hips and setting them back down, kind of rolling your spine into the floor. You bring your chin towards the chest and you roll your spine so that the cervical spine is without excessive curvature. You place the arms out to the side, palms face up, about 45 degrees out to the side, and you focus on deep abdominal breathing. And what this does is it helps to organize a ligament that's on the front of your spine. And the ligament on the front of your spine is called anterior longitudinal ligament. Pretend that you have a necktie on that's tucked into the front of your pants. 
if you have that necktie pulling you forward all of the time, it's going to be really hard to be nice and upright. And when you put your spine in this neutral position and you do this deep diaphragmatic breath, which is pushing the abdomen towards the ceiling as you inhale, it's going to untuck that necktie and you're going to get length through that ligament. And it's going to be much easier to achieve neutral posture without the effort. The other major biohack is stimulating the vagus nerve to turn on your parasympathetic nervous system. And the way that we turn on the vagus nerve and stimulate the parasympathetic is when we exhale. And if you inhale for a shorter amount of time than you exhale, or I can say that the opposite way, you exhale longer than you inhale, you will get more parasympathetic stimulation than sympathetic stimulation. So one real simple way to do that if you're having trouble winding down or you've watched too much Breaking Bad and now you're having trouble falling asleep is do 4-2-6 breathing. Breathe in for four, hold for two, breathe out for six. By having the parasympathetic stimulated, it'll answer that question, yes, and all of the connective tissues will start to ease and relax. And that's something if you do regularly, it will have a life-changing profound effect. I love those. I just wrote both of those down. I'm going to, after this, I'm going to look up that traction position because I am a yogi kind of and would be very interested in seeing what that is and how that feels. We have on our, so one of our websites, which is our patient facing education platform, what's called SE Lab, and Lab stands for Learn and Apply Balance. And again, balance being defined by your stress response matching the demand of your situation. And uh, our gift to the world is that traction exercise. So it lives outside of the paywall. And the website for that is just lab, L-A-B dot structural dot com. And that track, there's a real nice video that walks you through that traction exercise that lives outside of the paywall. It doesn't cost anything. And we recommend it only takes three minutes a day. And I'm telling you, you have to do it though. You can't just understand it. It's not knowing it, it's doing it. And people that do it for even 30 days straight will see a reduction oftentimes in their blood pressure. They are sleeping better, they're calmer, their mood is adjusted, they're in less pain. It's really pretty profound. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I will link to that in the show notes for everybody because I think everybody probably needs a bit of that, especially if it's only three minutes a day. Like I think we can all stretch and do that every single day. Yeah, it's a challenge. I mean, right? Like if Mm -hmm. you can't give that to yourself, right, then you can't expect a different outcome, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you do it every single day? I do. You know, I'm really consistent with traction. It's the one thing that, you know, especially on my days when I'm treating patients, I will go and lay down in the middle of the, in what do we call the lab, right? And, uh, and just lay there for a few minutes just to reset. And it, it makes a profound difference for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Are there any other like stress management tools that are kind of like your go to's that you recommend to your patients? Yeah, there's a couple that are pretty big. And one of them is being outside. And, you know, I think that there's something just really recalibrating about fresh air and sunshine and being amongst the trees and being in nature. And even regardless of the weather, right? It doesn't have to be sunshine. It can be snow. It can be rain. Um, I think that being outdoors is essential. Getting out of a human, you know, manipulated, controlled environment. You know, we have 
we've been around for a long time. We have, you know, a lot of innate wisdom in us. And when we are in a natural place, even if that natural place is your backyard, it tends to help us recalibrate much quicker than when we're in a manipulated environment. The other thing is, you know, I keep talking about it with the fascia, but developing a practice where you are paying attention to and addressing any restrictions in the tissue. The image, and I'm borrowing this, this isn't mine, but in, in some of the martial arts and in Chinese medicine, and definitely like in Tai Chi, they talk about like the strength of wood comes from its flexibility. And when wood becomes rigid, it is more vulnerable to breaking. Wood that is, is able to sway is infinitely stronger. And I love that image, you know, and it's like we think about strength in terms of rigidity and solidity, but actually strength and resilience comes from fluidity and our ability to adapt and flow. And so that's a really uh, important thing is to learn how to let yourself let it go and to go with the flow and to have your body be able to, you know, be limber and move freely. And and so a lot of people, even if they're into yoga, even if they're into Pilates, they take very much a workout approach to it and they get competitive with themselves about how deep they can go into each pose. But if you're if you're doing yoga and you're not focused on your breathing, then you're just putting your body in funny shapes, right? You're not really doing yoga. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I totally agree. It's funny when you do yoga or just stretching in general, like even after a workout and you like feel so good in the stretch, but then you realize that you're holding your breath and you're actually just not breathing at all. And then you breathe and you're like, oh, okay, actually this is painful. <laughs> like, It's way harder to actually breathe when you're oh, yeah, stretching. Because you're, you're animating and you're stretching and you're bumping in it against those you know restrictions, but that's where a lot of the benefit comes. Exactly. Exactly. It's that like release and like constriction. And I noticed as well, like whenever my partner does yoga with me, I look over and he's holding his breath when he's in the positions. And I'm like, you have to breathe. Like, <laughs> let's just work on this. You don't have to try and get the position perfect. Like maybe ease off, but breathe through it, you know, so you are getting more benefit. Yeah. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't push yourself to a place where it is painful, you should back off and be with your breath the entire time. If you're pushing yourself into a position that's shutting down your breathing, again, you're not, you're no longer benefiting. You're adding the message to your body that you're not safe and you're creating a stress response. So backing off and being with the breath and being with quality breath so that you're actually warming your tissues from the inside and, and developing more elasticity and pliability is how people get so deep into poses. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was in a yoga class once and the yoga teacher was saying exactly what you're saying. It was, let's not hold the like utmost perfect version of this position for 30 seconds. Let's go to like 70% of what you can do and let's hold it for three minutes and breathe. And that is actually how you're going to improve your flexibility. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah, but it's actually much harder. <laughs> The three minutes or like anything long, you're like, okay, this is a long time. It's an eternity. Yeah. Yes, about it. it is. It really is. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I love all of your tips and tricks. I am going to link to a bunch of the things that you mentioned, but if people want to learn more, they want to work with you, how can they find you? 
I mean, we have three clinics. Two of them are in Maryland in the States and the other one is in Wisconsin. So geographically speaking, unless you're in those places, it's going to be tough. We also do have a network of providers that we've trained. So you can find them by going to our website, which is structuralelements.com. But then the patient-facing platform is our response to the limitations of geography. And lab.structuralelements.com is it's a subscription. It's 11 bucks a month. If you buy the subscription, we donate a subscription to somebody in need because we believe that all should benefit, not just those who have the means. And it's pretty cool stuff. I mean, a lot of what we've talked about today, the tips on controlling inflammation, how do you find neutral posture? There's stuff on yoga and Pilates and a lot of breath work and a lot of how to properly foam roll and, and all these tricks that, that ultimately help us to regulate our autonomic nervous system and to be able to be in a state where we're receptive to healing and self-nurturing and in the, where the body thrives. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for that. And I will definitely connect to everything in the show notes. And again, yeah. Thank you for coming on. This was awesome. I I learned a lot from you. Yeah, it was fun. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of biohacking with Brittany. If you're interested in finding the show notes or the sponsors for this episode, you can do so on my website, which is biohackingbrittany.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram where I'm most active. My handle is at biohackingbrittany. And if you're interested in working together and you want to email me directly, you can do that. My email is info at biohackingbrittany.com. And I look forward to hearing from you and having you tune in next week.